So real quick, before we dive into the show, I wanted to share that I'm working on my social media presence by focusing on Instagram and LinkedIn. Definitely still learning the LinkedIn game, but it's actually a lot more enjoyable and I can say it's pretty fun. But I can tell you what I love the most is connecting and learning from other like-minded professionals. So if we aren't connected on either platform, I would love to learn more about you and connect together. Go ahead, shoot me a DM, follow me, tag me, let's connect. Let's have some fun elevating our health while we are building our wealth. Welcome to the business of being healthy where we are passionate about treating our health as good as we treat our wealth. Shelly Bryan here, and I am obsessed with sharing real life experiences and wisdom to help save you time, heartache, and money as you continue to grow personally and professionally. Twice a week, we push aside that BS to take massive intentional action. And I promise by tuning in, you will receive the straightforward talk you've been waiting for filled with actionable steps that will inspire you to achieve the health and wealth you desire while you are building your empire. All right, so excited to be able to welcome today's guest to the podcast here on the Business of Being Healthy. You know that this show is all about health and business, right? Health and entrepreneurship and really the collaboration and the correlation between the two. And Today's guest, I maybe stalked her on social media. I'm not quite sure. Um, but I just really loved her messaging. And so just reached out, right? We met for coffee and it just started this really great conversation and maybe a lot of similarities that we've even had in our own health. Um, and so I am truly honored to be able to welcome Dr. Laura De Cesaris. She is a functional medicine doctor um, and health strategist specializing in women's health and high performance. Dr. Laura works with driven, ambitious women, right? Sounds like our listeners here, helping them rebuild their metabolism so they can experience optimal brain health, body composition, and natural vitality. She takes the female-centric approach to health and wellness, teaching women about their bodies and their brains so that they can make better health decisions, uh, excuse me, better decisions for their health and leverage their biochemistry for optimal performance. I love all of this. This is like strategy for like business, women, health. So Dr. Laura, thank you so much for being able to join us. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. I think we mutually stalked each other on social media. So I'm glad we're we're here having this conversation. Me too, right? I feel like it always comes down to that, like double stalking, like, hey, cool. Like, and one is like brave enough to be like, hey, like, like do the, like the awkward DM slide into the DMs. That's like a whole nother conversation. Um, but Dr. Laura, like really, I, I think what would just really serve our listeners is sharing a little bit about how you came to this profession because it was a personal experience. And I think that so many things that we make um, or that we experience in life really drives whether it's our career or our health. And so if you would share a little bit about how you came to be a functional medicine strategist. Absolutely. I definitely had a very roundabout trip here, but that's the way it was supposed to happen, I guess, right? Because everything we learn, everything we experience along the way, especially as entrepreneurs, that tends to be what leads us to create different businesses to serve. So I have always been like a nerdy kid when it comes to science, like my whole life since I was a kid. I actually went to college thinking that I wanted to go into research. When I was in high school, my mom, her identical twin, my older sister all got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So I was immediately interested, like, oh, everyone's related, maybe a genetic component. That would be something that would be really interesting to me to study. So I went off to Cornell University with the the full intention of studying genetics and research and pursuing a PhD. I actually got a job in a research lab my first week there and promptly found out I hated being in a research lab. (laughs) So while I I loved the, the science behind it, I found it a little lonely, a lot of late nights in a lab by yourself, 
decided I needed a little more socialization, a little more human interaction. Mm -hmm. I'm sure anyone listening who's been in academia can probably relate to that. So the next logical thing was, oh, I guess I'll go into patient care. I'll, I'll go to medical school. Um, however, while I was deciding about that path, I myself got diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition, uh, super common, especially where I grew up in the Northeast. And I remember going to see a doctor, 21 years old. You think when you're 21, you should be prime energy, like peak of your life, right? Like mm -hmm. new 21 year old responsibilities. Well, I was exhausted. I was overweight, even though I was on a, you know, on the treadmill for an hour every day, I was eating right. Or so I thought, and the only advice given to me was, oh, this is lifelong. Here's your thyroid medication. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm a little stubborn because I'm like, that's not good enough. Like, I want to know why this happened. I want to know what else I can be doing. So at the time, I my mom actually, who was into like functional medicine and energy work and things like that before it was cool, like she was doing Reiki back in the 90s before anyone knew what that was. Um, I went home on a break and she took me to go see a chiropractor who also happened to be a functional medicine practitioner. And I spent two hours with this woman who told me all these things about my health just by looking at my body and my skin tone and my eyes and poking different areas and things that I hadn't even told her. And I was totally amazed. Sidebar, she was like mid fifties and still loved her job, which to me was like, okay, someone really loves doing this that much. Like I gotta know more. Mm -hmm. um, and I literally decided to do that the next day like jump in with both feet, applied to chiropractic school, off I went after I graduated. Uh, once I got there, I realized that wasn't quite the functional medicine path that I had learned from this other woman. So I was really fortunate while I was there to meet a functional medicine doctor who became my mentor. You know, she said, here's the programs that you want to do to get into this, studying with Institute for Functional Medicine, with Academy for Anti-Aging Medicine. I decided to get my master's degree in clinical nutrition at the same time. So a lot of education up through my mid-20s, and then I kind of just stepped into this wonderful practice in New Jersey where I was able to start working with people from a functional medicine perspective, helping them understand you know, what that their gut problems could be what's causing their joint pain. It's not always just a joint issue. Sometimes it's systemic inflammation. And I did that by what I learned on my journey at healing myself from Hashimoto's, which for me was all of the traditional things I was taught about diet and exercise went out the window because that wasn't what my body needed. I needed to eat a certain way for my body. And I started to do strength training instead of endless hours on the treadmill. And most importantly, I started aggressively managing my stress and learning to handle that better because I think that was a huge contributor at the time to why that Hashimoto's came into being. Mm -hmm. So for me, functional medicine and learning more about it really opened my eyes to this whole other world of health, one that really encompassed all these different areas, you know. It's not just the food you eat or what you're born with. It's also how we're spending our days, what our relationship with stress is, the people we're surrounding ourselves with. Um, so it was like a really beautiful personal journey intertwined with, with that education um, that kind of led me to start practicing functional medicine. I absolutely love like hearing that. And thank you for sharing with our listeners because there's a few things that I want to pull out that just like... I think as women, we have a lot of intuition and sometimes whether it's in business and or our health or caring for someone else, sometimes we like, we'll be like, oh no, it's no big deal. Or, oh no, that doctor knows better than me. Or, you know what I mean? And yet like we're, we have this gut feeling pulling at it. And I love that you went to, I believe you said it was the endocrinologist for the um, Hashimoto's and it was like, here's your pill. And you were like, why do I have this? It was that in like question of why, right? That I feel like was the really thing that kind of like, I don't like that answer. That's not stubborn. That's smart. Like you didn't like that. That's a, it's a silly answer. And that happens all the time with like blood pressure and like other things going on. It's like, here's your pill. See you later. Cholesterol, here's your pill. Like go, you know, and the fact that you asked why, I mean, that is so powerful. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into this more later, but like why it led you to this path is because you kept asking why. Would you yeah, agree with absolutely. that? Absolutely. I do. And I think 
for me, I think one of my gifts has always been a curiosity. Uh, I, I always want to know more about different things, whether it's related to my profession or not. And that's mm -hmm. that's something that when I work with women, I really encourage them to come back to this place of having a curiosity about your health, about how good you could feel and not letting other people dictate that. You know, I think women in general have this very frustrating experience when they see a lot of doctors where they're just told this is the way it is. Oh, it's your hormones. Oh, this is just your life now. And it's been like ingrained in their minds that I I actually think this is a really beautiful time for women's health and that a lot of women are saying, well, what if it doesn't have to be this way? And there's a lot of female doctors of various different professional backgrounds, MDs, DOs, naturopaths, you know, whatever, who are like, no, we need to treat women differently. We need to think about their hormones. These are questions we need to be asking. And that really didn't exist. 15, 20 years ago or more. Yeah. You know, I think back to some of my mom's experiences when I was a teenager with her health, and it was always, oh, well, here's an antidepressant, here's this. And I'm like, what? what? What does that do? So yeah. if I could encourage women to do two things, it would be always trust that gut feeling that you have. I, I don't think that everyone understands how powerful a woman's intuition is. And we can get into this more later, but it's literally entwined with our hormones. It's we have times naturally that we're so intuitive as one of our gifts in our physiology, but also to be curious versus coming and approaching your health from a place of fear and this kind of authoritative doctor-patient relationship. Like those days are over. Like your relationship now with your doctors, with your health coaches, those should be partnerships where they're helping you understand your body and what works for you. I absolutely love that. And and as you know, from my story, like resonate with that. Like I have a team of doctors, right? You know, losing your eyesight at 24. It's funny, you had your thing at, I believe, 21, right? Like you felt amazing. Like I lost my eyesight at 24. Like we think our 20s were, were amazing. And reality, like our bodies were like raising red flags being like, Hey, like you're on a dangerous path here. And so like now I truly believe, and I spent 18 years in the medical industry, right on the sales and marketing side, I saw some very interesting things. I understand how insurance works and dictates and it's really up to us as patients, right? And it, to be the owner, right? Of our responsibility, like our results by pairing with the correct practitioners to help us lead us towards our goal and finding those. I love that curiosity that you have. I think that is so powerful and something that unfortunately, I mean, based upon my experience in the industry, you know, insurances are dictating what doctors can do. And so that curiosity dies in them, not necessarily intentionally, you know, but it's just like this, this, this space that is, is not leading down towards the right way. So you have to find people like yourself that are still curious, but can partner with other, you know, Western medicine doctors so that, that you as the patient can get the best care. Do, do you advocate for that kind of like patient responsibility or just it's up to you? 100%. I think if you want to experience optimal health, you have to take an active role in learning about your health prioritizing that for a season and then standing up for yourself or delegating that role to someone who will stand up for you in those mm -hmm. settings. And yeah, going back to what you said, like I, this isn't meant to be a diss towards any doctors in a conventional setting. I, I actually have so much empathy for people in that clinical setting, because imagine going to school for all those years, doing all that training, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, having all of these loans, with good intentions that you went to do this because you wanted to help people and then having insurance companies basically say, nope, this is what you get to do. This is how much time you have to see people. They need a diagnosis code for you to get paid. Like that must create a lot of disconnect in someone that has that mission and purpose. So it's not the doctors, it's the system that isn't really set up to let people be curious, to, to let people have these this time to have these in-depth conversations with their providers to, to really understand what's happening and what's going on. Um, so I, I think that is more the problem versus anything else. And yeah, I think, you know, uh, a big thing that I, I talk to people about and that I had to do myself is 
what if you spent like one season prioritizing learning about your body so that you could empower yourself to make better decisions moving forward? Because let's be honest, it's really hard to know what questions to ask when when you're not when you're not sure what's going on, what you don't know what to ask about when when you don't know what those little body cues even mean. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like all these layers of okay, well first we have to reconnect to our bodies and listen to them. Then we have to understand when it's telling us that something is amiss, then we need to empower ourselves to have the confidence to ask our our doctors, our providers about our different options and things like that. And that's where I firmly believe working with a coach or a consultant strategist like myself kind of just helps bridge that gap. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And um, it's, it's something that is a little bit newer thought process, you know? So at first it may seem like just, it's just different because it's new, but once you, I love connecting back with your body, we're all like high achieving women. We are going it's rare that we actually are like, Oh, like, I don't feel good. Or why at 2 PM am I having this lull? Like, what is it that's causing this lull? You know, what light, what foods, what, what thoughts or feelings am I having that are doing that? And I just love that being able to tie that all together. Um, you had mentioned stress though, and you know, stress near and near to my heart. Um, and you, how did you come to realize like stress and the impact it was having on you? Like what were some of the warning signs if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing what it was for you and then maybe what you see with some of the uh, amazing women that you work with? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, and you'll probably agree with this and maybe a lot of your listeners can relate. Like, I also think our understanding of stress does change with age. Like if I went back to 21 year old me and was like, what's stressful in your life? It would have been prelim exams and what am I going to do with my life and things like that. And it was, it was the stress of unknown things versus as you start going through life, you start to understand okay, stress is not just the stress I'm creating in my own head, you know, that stress about the unknown, the uncertainty of the future. It's also how much I'm pushing my body. It's the foods I'm eating. It's the relationships and the people around me. Mm -hmm. It's whether I'm sleeping or not. It's if I'm, you know, giving myself time to rest versus doing that thing we all have tended to do as high achievers, where we just say, I don't need rest, I'm going to push through it and just do my next workout and it'll be fine. And eventually that does catch up with us. And we realize like how important the rest is. So stress, instead of just thinking of it as emotional stress, like that's only one piece of it. Like our our body is smart, but it's not smart enough to know the differences like, oh, well, that's made up stress in our head. And this is physical stress. Like it just reads it all as stress. So all of the hormone cascades and inflammatory cascades and you know nervous system changes that come with stress, it's not going to matter you know where it's coming from. If the stress bucket is big enough, you're going to start feeling that physiologically in different ways, especially when it's chronically compounding over time. You know, an acute short-term stressor, we're pretty well equipped to handle that. We might feel down and out for a couple of days, but it's the chronic ongoing stress that we're not doing anything about that can be really dangerous for us as women long-term. And I think for me, when I look back at, okay, what were some red flags that I was purely ignoring that were trying to tell me like, hey, we're so stressed, please help us, please. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely that feeling of like, I literally think back to these times when I started working in a clinic and I would have like a, a giant Starbucks coffee in the morning, like whatever the biggest size was, wouldn't eat because I'd be too busy with clients. Then I'd have like another one to get me past that energy lull in the afternoon to like get me through to dinner. Uh, And I was like, this is fine. I'll see patients all day. This will be great. I'll have time to like eat later. And over time, like that was a huge stressor I was putting on my body day in and day out. But I got away with it for a little while because I was like 25. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't do that now. The thought of even having one coffee that much is like, wow, that's a lot. Um, But it's also things when I look back at photos of like, skin quality, like not Mm. like looking a little dull and kind of gaunt at times or just not having, you know, having a lot more blemishes than I would think. It's not getting the results of my workouts. And I was working out really hard, but I wouldn't always see the shifts that I wanted to, right? 
it was not sleeping through the night or having to take supplements to sleep and thinking like, oh, supplements are healthy, but shouldn't need one to sleep every night, especially when you're younger. Mm -hmm. Um, Little things like that. And then as I started to inch closer to 30 and then my early 30s, I, I noticed it changed. Like sometimes I would see those things, but it was how how did I respond to a stressful situation? Sometimes I would notice things like it would literally exhaust me after dealing with a stressful moment. Like while I was dealing with it, the heart rate would, my heart rate would be pounding, my pulse would be pounding. And then I'd be so tired afterwards. I felt like I couldn't do anything. Like that's a really exaggerated stress response to have day in and day out. Um, you know, getting sick, things like that. So there's there's all these little things, these little ways our body tries to tell us that we often ignore until it becomes a huge health crisis. Um, I learned that one the hard way too. Actually, in my late 20s, I got diagnosed with lupus, another autoimmune issue, because I was not dealing with the mental, emotional stress side of things. I was not looking at stress from relationships, the stress I was mentally putting on myself in my drive to to become successful, to achieve, to things like that. So lots of different ways that you can can look at stress. But what I typically see in women I work with is this kind of smattering of vague little symptoms that don't often seem connected. And they start real slow. And then when you look back, you're like, these have been going on for a while, like fatigue throughout the day, mm-hmm. sleep disturbances, putting on a little bit of weight around the midsection ever so slowly that it just feels a little fluffy, not getting the results from your workouts, having feeling anxiety, feeling a little reactive towards your partner, towards other things. These like little things that in and of themselves, you convince yourself these aren't a big deal, but then you realize you're living your life with those things every single day. And a lot of the times it's our perception of stress and it's, it's how we're choosing to handle it, right? Like there's some stressors that are out of our control, right? Like we can't always control what's going on with the world economy, with other people, but we can control how we perceive that stress and the stress that we place on ourselves internally. And that's what I tend to see a lot of in women in their 30s and 40s 40s and beyond. It's like these expectations we put on ourselves to accomplish a certain amount of tasks or it's a personal failure, Um and kind of our relationship with stress. Like we do this thing where we start to define ourselves by it. You know, how are you? Oh, I'm so stressed. I'm so busy. Like that that becomes who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to think about that first. Like, okay, let me shift how I'm talking to myself and how, what I'm telling my body. If I'm telling my body I'm stressed, like of course it's going to react like I'm stressed. It listens yeah. to us. Um, and, and kind of working on that mindset piece of it, which is a huge, huge play piece that I think most of us skim over. We're like, oh, stressed. Give me the stress supplements. That'd be great. But there's like another step before that that we have to get to. Mm-hmm. I just love this conversation. And, you know, before we go on, I I want to actually just take a minute because, you know, I talk about like a high achieving woman. And like you just said, like kind of women in their 30s and 40s and beyond. I just want to talk about this woman that you've been working with and, and that I've worked with in the past, um, who I am now, right? Like who you are, because I think that sometimes we think that's not me. That's not me. I'm good. Oh, look at her. Like that, even in like that, like mean girl way, like, oh, she's weak or what have you. Right. I remember in my thirties having these conversations with myself, right. Thinking I'm all high and mighty when in reality, like, I need to get slapped. But the thing is, is that I wanted just to find that woman because the listeners, I want them to kind of like associate and be like, holy cow, that's me. And, and please know everyone listening in, this is from a place that like, we have both had, you know, an autoimmune disease going blind. Like stress is something that we can't just say, that's not me because I love what you said earlier. And I preach this like crazy is that stress, your body doesn't say, Oh, that's good stress. Oh, that's bad stress. Like I'm going to react differently. It's stress period. And those chronic forms of stress. So maybe real quick, um, just kind of define like that woman, like, what is she doing? Um, is she, you know, have kids like a typical work day, just so that we can make sure that those listening in can really relate. 
Yeah. So I, I think about the woman who is either building her business or building her career, whatever that may look like, you know, maybe you're a service-based business product-based, like there's obviously some flexibility, but you, you have a career, you have this calling to help others in some way. And then you also have your personal life side of it, whether that's a partner and kids, whether that's just a partner, whether that's a bunch of friends, whether that's you traveling a lot, but you, you want both things. We want success in work. We want success and to live this lifestyle that we want, whatever that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the disconnect is feeling like it's a pendulum swinging from one side to the other. We have to either be all in on business or all in on personal life and and can't really find what so many people call work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know about you. I actually like hate that phrase. I hate it's it. never, like, when it's you, never a conversation in men's circles. That's only a conversation in women's circles. And I, I don't like it. Um, that's why I prefer like, no, we're talking work-life alignment, creating a life where you have a job that you love that you don't need to escape from. And that aligns with what you want for your personal life, what you want for your experience on earth to be like. Mm -hmm. Understanding that, of course, we're all going to have seasons where we do need to prioritize one over the other a little bit more, right? Like maybe it's a business building year. Maybe it's a personal life building year. and Business is kind of getting delegated, doing other things. But the woman who's experiencing a lot of stress around this a lot of the times it's trying to go all in on both at the same time. And admittedly, this might trigger people a little bit. It's like not asking for help in some of those areas, trying to do all the things, be superwoman, and like not acknowledging that as women, we thrive in community for a reason. It's really hard to do everything in life, business, raising a family, all of that, like by yourself. And that does create this sense of stress, not just externally of the packed schedule of no time for yourself, of poor sleep, but internally of why am I not succeeding? Why can this person do it and not that, not that person? So we have that side of it. And then the other layer that I look at with this woman is how is she feeding herself nutritionally, emotionally, from a self-care perspective, moving her body? And a lot of the times when we have that internal stress pent up because we're not feeling like we've gotten to the point where we can take care of ourselves, right? Like we're not enough yet to do that. Yeah. They're not focusing on those other things. And really those are the foundation of, of being able to strike that alignment between work and personal life is how are you fueling yourself up to get all of that done in the first place. So it's this, all of these stressors coming into play here. And then this whole other layer of being a high achieving woman in today's world, which was really not created for us to thrive in. Like mm -hmm. the, the traditional schedules, most businesses and people have were not created with a female physiology in mind. Mm -hmm. So we're having to do a lot of unlearning about what are we expected to do every day? How are we expected to work every day? in a way that fits with our bodies and our needs so that we're not fighting that and adding unnecessary stress into the picture. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to dive in a little bit more about this um, work-life alignment. And I, I cannot stress this enough. Like the words that we use to describe either ourselves or things that we're doing can really define not only how we feel about it, but the outcome. And so making sure that we're choosing those words, and I love the word alignment. And I, I really want your opinion. Um, I was recently asked this on another podcast, but it just ties so greatly into this conversation we're having is do you believe it's possible to have that full alignment between work, your health, your family life, your relationships? Is that possible? I think it is. I think I think having it all looks a little different for each woman, right? Like we all have like our perception of like, what would that mean for me? What would having it all mean for me? That might be different than what that would mean for you or someone else who's listening in. But I think, whereas women, we struggle with that is we try and do all of it all at once. And if it's not perfect, we, we, we feel like failures. And instead we need to shift how we look at it as, okay, I want to build this career that I love. I also want a family. I also want to travel and experience the world. Like maybe you just need to prioritize those in different seasons, knowing that in some work's going to be up here and others, family and personal life is going to be up here. And you need to just work on the structure around that. I think a lot of that comes for delegating and asking for help in all areas. Um, 
But I think we also can get a lot more flexible in terms of like, well, what does building that business look like? Like, how how does that work for me in a way that feels good that I'm spending the time with my family, with my personal life and spending the time building this business that I love that has purpose and passion behind it in a way that works and makes me happy. I think a lot of times we get a little comparisonitis. We see how other people are doing it. We're like, oh my gosh, I have to do that. I have to scale to 100K months tomorrow or like I am not winning at life right now. And that's not that's not how it works, right? Like we need to really be able to tap into like, well, what, what do I want that will make me happy? Not what other people define as successful career, successful family, all of this, but like, what are the setups for those things that make me feel like I really have purpose while I'm here? And how do I create a business structure that fits that, that vision of my life? Um, so I think it's just about reframing how we look at them. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, a big piece of that was like getting out of the nine to five, like that setup is not conducive to what I want in terms of family, in terms of relationships, in terms of life experience. Um, and it really wasn't created for a lot of women to do that. So I think a lot of unlearning around structures of our society is important for that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, um, gosh, I just really loved how you said, like, we don't, the comparisonitis, like a little bit, that's like, it's aggressive. Um, I think for a lot of us, whether it's comparison with our previous version of ourselves, thinking that we should be further ahead, right. Or comparison social media, I fall into that trap. I know that, right. And, or within our organization or our business, right. There could be other comparisons just happening. And so I think it's becoming aware of that. And also like understanding, we don't know what their goals are. We have no idea what anyone else has been through. And to be able to compare ourselves to them or them to me, like it's, it's incomparable. It's apples and oranges, even though we're both two high achieving women, we have gone about it in very different ways. And I think when you kind of take that power back, it's like, whoa, like you start seeing through clear color glasses rather than rose color glasses, like of mm. they are living in this yeah. glamorous, amazing life. It's like, wait a minute. Like they, I don't, I have no idea what's going on in their life. They could be struggling. Right. And we all see the, the highlight reel on social media, which I think isn't good for any age, right? Like my kids, almost teenagers, that's not good for them. And for adults, one thing that I just want to get your thoughts on is the fact of stress and not only it's our effect on just our body and well-being, but also like almost physically like aging, where have you seen, um, with your patients, um, or clients, I should say that you see that you're not in that clinical setting anymore. I had to adjust my language there, Dr. Laura, Don't but send me back there. <laughs> I know I was like patients <laughs> and me too. Like I went back there too. I was like, Oh no, wait, they're clients now, not patients. Um, is that that aging side of things? Because I can tell you recently, um, I was actually, I was in going and getting my Botox. Let's just be, let's just be real here. And um, I used to work in dermatology. That's where I spent um, the bulk of my career. And I was in the office and one of the reps that I actually trained, this was probably in 04, like 04 or 05. That's how long ago this was. He came and sat next to me and I saw him and I barely recognized him. And I know this might sound mean, but it might sound rough but he had aged so significantly. And I know I talked to him a little bit about the business and what's been going on. Cause I've been kind of removed for five, six years now, but like just what's going on. And I can see the stress on his skin. I can see it on his weight. I can see it in the, which way he carries himself. And it's, it's one of those things that I'm like, so grateful that I had that experience, but I'm so grateful that I saw through to the other side and, and really took my health and my career and found the perfect marriage between the two. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on the effects of stress on like aging. I I love the conversation around aging. It's such an interesting one because I feel like I feel like women have been conditioned to think about aging just in the external appearance and made to fear it. Like, oh, if you're not looking younger and younger, you're not fighting aging, like it's the end of the line, things like that. And the reality is like we have to shift and start thinking about how am I aging from the inside? 
not just from the outside, because the inside is what's going to determine like not just how long we live, but something called our health span, meaning how many of those years that we're living are we able to do the things we want to do? I think we all can think of someone in our head who's older, maybe in their 70s, even 80s, who's still active, they're out walking, maybe they're volunteering, like they're still living a full life versus someone who has been fairly bedridden with illnesses and pain and other things in the last couple decades of their life. So starting to think about, okay, in this aging conversation, like, ladies, do what you want to do in terms of how you look external, but let's start also thinking about the internal because I want to be doing the same things 40 years from now that I'm doing now. Like I still want to be hiking and out walking with my dog and educating and things like that. Like, I don't want to just throw in the towel at a certain number and be like, this is it. So I think starting to shift that conversation to making sure we think about that is really important. And stress is a huge determinant more than anything else. A lot of times you'll hear people people say like, well, how old do you live? Like, look at your parents. It's, it's your genetics. Like, that's only a really small piece of the puzzle. And stress can impact the expression of our genetics. We can kind of use that power for, for good or evil, if you will. And we can look at how it's aging ourselves. That was a huge wake-up call for me when I was in that initial health crisis. When I was around 23, I did a, it's called a biological aging score, where it kind of looks at your cellular health and it tells you like, Hmm. okay, you're 23 years old chronologically based on when you were born, but here's your biological age. And at the time, mine was like in my 30s, which you might be thinking like your 30s is young, but 23 and inside you're in your 30s, like that's pretty scary. So I actually redid this last year and now it's reversed. So I'm turning 35 this year, but my biological age is 21. So that's the goal for me. (laughs) I'd be aging well from the inside out. That's incredible. Um, Yeah. And the cool thing is like, you can do that by looking at the stressors in your life that you can address. So something I do in my membership, we do this thing called the stress list exercise, where I literally have them get out a huge piece of paper and I'm going to set the timer for five minutes go write down every little thing that you feel stressed about. Any, nothing's too small, nothing's too big. Big giant list of stuff. Uh, you know, some things on there might be like family member with illness, finances, body image, who knows, whatever. And then we kind of look at them and we say, okay, let's cross out the things that are 100% out of your control. Things that you can do nothing about. Think another person's reaction, people leading the world, like whatever stresses you out. And usually what happens is a couple of things get marked off, but like two thirds of the list remains. And the really cool thing is those are the things that you do have control over, whether through your choices or through your perception of those stresses, which you may think like, oh, wow, really having to think of all my stressors, that, that sounds stressful in and of itself. But it's actually very empowering to realize that you have the ability to influence so many things in your life simply by making better better choices every day in your nutrition and who you surround yourself with in getting outside and getting some fresh air or in your relationship with those stressors meaning instead of looking at it like oh, man, that stress it's it's going to kill me i don't know what to do about it like can we shift that and say all right this feels stressful like i'm acknowledging that this is heavy but what's it trying to teach me? What can I learn from this? What is it making me stronger for in the long run? And like, those are big things. Like people want to know the secret to aging well. They want to think it's this magical pill or this one biohacking tool, but it's actually the little choices we make day in and day out. Like, is this decision something that's going to contribute to the life that I want or not? And I'm not saying that like once in a while you can't indulge yourself. Like that's, I don't know, I'm a big fan of the 80-20 rule. But most of the time when I'm faced with a decision, okay, is this something that's going to serve me for where I'm going in life, what I want to be like, or is this going to, you know, deplete my my health span account, so to speak, versus investing into it? So that relationship with stress and those little choices every day, like that's what's helping you age well, age actively. Um, And of course, that's always reflected externally. Like we know the people who are really taking care of themselves. A lot of times we see that in their appearance as well. But I would love for women to be just as concerned with how they're aging inside. Gosh, I love that answer. And, you know, I think that when it comes to making those decisions, there's there's another component there too, is like sometimes it's hard because we can't really see 
that like future version of ourselves all the time. We we kind of want her. We yeah. we have an idea of what she is. And that's one thing that I've guided myself and others in is like, what would she make? Like decide what she is like. And when you're faced with a decision that maybe seem hard is that you actually like, what would she do? That future version of you. And if she is not going to do that or not going to take on that extra client, even though she wants to say yes so bad and help that client, but it will put her overload and stress her out. That future version of herself will have those boundaries in place and say, you know what? Not right now. Come back. And so I think it's so powerful to like think forward even like asking who is that girl and how can I be like her knowing that you're on that path? I love that. And like, I, for some reason, what's coming to mind is like, you'll read or you'll watch these interviews with women in their fifties, sixties and beyond. And they'll, they'll share this similar story of how, when they were younger in their twenties and thirties, like they cared so much what people thought, like they were so working so hard, stressing themselves out. And then it's like, they hit a certain age and they were like, Oh, none of that stuff matters. Like the stuff that matters is how I'm spending my time taking care of me, setting those boundaries. Like we don't have to wait to learn that lesson. Like our, as women, like they're trying to show us the way. (laughs) So if we can start bringing that into our life now, knowing that, yes, of course, it's a different time in the life cycle, especially I think of like moms with little kids, it's a little different. Right. But at the same time, still knowing that even that is just a season and like, I'm sure any mom listening to this is like, yes, even on the most stressful days with my kids, like, I know that it's not always going to be this way. So it'd be so great to be able to be really present in it and enjoy it, even if it feels stressful sometimes, because one day the kids are going to be out of the house and they're going to be creating their own families, right? So it's it's kind of this, it's a beautiful shift is what it is, is Mm -hmm. even when it feels hard, how do I still stay present? How do I still understand that it's leading me to something else and like look no one's perfect like I have moments too where I'm like wow I have very much not been present in this I've been letting stress get the best of me time to Mm -hmm. get back on the saddle and shift my perception to where it needs to be but it's it's a practice that's why all of our stress management tools that we talk about are are called practices right because we gotta we gotta practice it Mm -hmm. well it's just like I always talk about it's the practice of medicine it's not the black Mm -hmm. and white book of medicine it is practice right so like you know any doctors anyone that you work with like they're working based upon the knowledge that you have and that's what I think is like so powerful surrounding yourself with the right team based upon the experiences that they work with I mean I am so so believing in that um one thing I just wanted to touch on just real quick was our ego Because that is something um, I can, I'll sit here, raise my hand, take one for the team, is that my ego in my 30s got in my way, right? Because, and and it was self-inflicted, of course, because I was like, I can go do that. I got this. I don't need help. I'm, I'm good. I don't need this. And now in my 40s, I'm like, that was really hard. And it was not fun. And it took me longer than it should have. And so I loved your like analogy of like the women in like 60s and 70s. Um, I, I saw like an interview, some gal that was like 80 years old and it was like the biggest thing. And it was like create memories travel. And I'm like, cool, because that's my goal right now. Like I'm, I have like stripped down my ego it still, it still pops up every once in a while. I'll be, I'll be honest, but like I've stripped it down and be like, what do I really want? Is this important to me? It, I thought it was important, but really it's not. And so like being able to like, look at that and see if your ego is getting in the way of not only your like professional growth, but your health, you know, like we are not super women. Sorry. We're not. I mean, you could argue, yes, we are like, yes, we are as women, but that doesn't mean that we don't need time, need to take care of ourselves, need to have that time in the morning when no one else is awake, just so we can mm-hmm. like get centered for the day. I think it's so, so powerful. And, and being able to like really kind of pull down that ego and, and see past her is super important, especially on anyone's health and wellness journey. Yeah, what's coming to mind for me is, you know, when we think like, oh, we're not superwoman. I think that archetype of superwoman that we think about 
we are still rooting her in like a very masculine approach to life, to business, to achieving that drive to go, which as high achieving women, like we do tend to have that high masculine side. And for people that haven't heard that, that phrasing, it doesn't mean looking masculine. It, it means this, this drive to succeed versus kind of that more feminine nourishment, rest, softer side of things. And I, I think that kind of, ego stripping down moment for most women is realizing when it's safe to let that feminine side into the picture. Mm. I know for me personally, when I look back at for years in my twenties and early thirties, really being stuck in that masculine drive, like that was a safety mechanism, like Mm -hmm. just to, to like get through life, things that like I saw other people doing going through, you know, traumatic events. Like I did that to take care of me. And then something happens when you realize like, oh, that's only like part of me. There's this whole other beautiful half that can come out. And that's when we actually start to experience that, that feeling of, oh, okay, well, this is that, that feeling I was looking for. I was working so hard to try and find this. And it was, it was there all the time. I just didn't feel safe enough to let it out. Um, I know personally, like that's been kind of my journey the last couple of years. I was, I was joking with a client, uh, a couple of weeks ago that I was like, I think I'm ready for like my soft girl season this year, like really leaning into things that me from five years ago would have hemmed and hawed at, like not structuring my mornings, just like seeing what feels good and really listening to my body instead of pushing through every little bit of discomfort at the gym. And the cool thing is, especially as a woman in her mid thirties, and I think a disconnect for a lot of women in their later thirties and forties is we have to start shifting things a little bit. Physiologically, we're different creatures than we were in our twenties. So we need to start shifting things. Uh, I think like there's something there from a genetic standpoint, evolution standpoint, that we finally feel a little more confident in doing that as we experience a little more life. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, when I think about that ego coming down, it's some of it is acknowledging that we need that other part of ourselves. Like we need to embrace that feminine side too. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't have to be either or like the magic really happens when both come together at the same time. You have the strategies, the drive, the ambition. You also know when to rest and take care of yourself and focus on community. and, And really that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of community, right? How important do you feel community is to your wellness journey? You know, we're talking about aging and longevity earlier in this conversation. And one of the number one factors in determining how well someone lives their life, right? That health span is if they have a community, even if it's three people around them who support them and make them happy and they can talk to, uh, they have better health outcomes in the long term than someone who does not have a supportive community or social network. So I think it's super important and specifically in health and wellness, I think it's something that's been left out of the conversation for too long. Like we think of our experience with doctor's appointments, it's go into a cold clinical room, we treated like a list of lab results and data sent out the door with a a solution to the problem, which is usually, you know, either a a list of items to follow or a pill. And like, especially as women, we we need the community side, we need to feel supported. We, We thrive when we have other people around us who understand what we're working towards. Uh, It actually helps our brain chemistry, it helps our hormone production. So I think when women are working on their health, whether it's getting out of a health crisis, or whether it's just that curiosity of, oh, I feel good, but like, I want to feel really good. Having a community of people that share those values can totally accelerate your journey to optimal health, to healing, that you have people around you who get it, who know what it's like, who know, who are also trying to be curious about their health and learn while doing the business, while doing the family. So for for men too, but especially for women, I think that community piece is super important. And I'm seeing more and more people try and bring that into the picture as a means of supporting overall well-being.
Hey there, absolutely love and incredibly grateful that you are listening to the podcast. Just want to let you know that if you ever want the video version, because sometimes it helps, it just resonates a little bit differently for you. You can check out my YouTube channel, which is absolutely free. I am sharing tips and experiences there weekly. So if you prefer video, go check it out. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the show. No, I think it's incredibly important. And, and like you said, it's that, it's that safe space, right? That, yeah. and, and I feel when we're in our twenties, it's hard to find that safe space because of the comparison that's going on and everyone's kind of trying to find themselves. But then as you kind of age and have experiences and have some wins and some losses and some hurt and some joy, it, it kind of just breaks down that barrier that when you do get in the room and someone's maybe sharing that you can be like, Hey, that happened to me too. And like, here's how I was able to go through it. And I think even that community of just sharing those experiences lets you know it's going to be okay. And and hope, I think, is so important in, in learning from others. I mean, that's why I love this podcast so much is like learning from other people's experiences. If it saves you time, heartache, or money, I'm all about it. Like, set, like tell me because I don't want to screw up again, you know? And so having that community to do it. And I know you have built a, I love this name, but her wellness vault. It's a membership community. I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about this community because it sounds absolutely incredible. So I, I'm really excited about it. We opened doors just in January of this year, but as I had been building my business over the last few years, I, I wanted to bring that community piece in so badly. And I'm like, I don't know where this fits mm -hmm. uh, in the world of, you know, working with people on their health one-on-one, -on -one. sometimes in like a group coaching setting, not everyone feels comfortable sharing about things. So I, I wanted to create a space where women could come together with a little bit of autonomy in how they chose to learn about their health, understanding that we all have different goals, yeah. but also be surrounded by other entrepreneurs, business owners, high achieving women who get what it's like to try and implement new health routines in what some may call a busy lifestyle. I prefer calling it a full lifestyle, but uh, you know that, that they have lots of moving parts and pieces and they don't always have hours and hours upon end to sit and go and learn things. Yeah. So her wellness vault was created with that in mind. And really what it is, is in terms of content, it becomes a, a choose your own adventure health journey. So you get to kind of decide what material you want to learn. Maybe you're in a season where you're really prioritizing your hormones. Maybe you're really focusing on your brain health and productivity. Maybe you're trying to change your body composition, build some muscle, drop some fat. There's lots of different hubs for you to go spend time in each of those without being required to do them at a certain time and pace. And everything is built out to be like 15 minutes or less per day as you do it. And then as you do that, you have a community of other women that you can connect with, chat with. Uh, there's lots of different forums around these topics. How do I, you know, I have kids. How do I fit in meal planning? How do I do things like that? Mm. And I, the last piece that I'm adding in is how do I build this go-to resource library for women that need different things related to their health to make their life easier? So I think of like my friend Jillian created this what's for dinner club membership where she sends people out via text dinner ideas for the next week. Everything's super quick, great for kids. It's like delegating and avoiding that awful question that so many moms are sick of hearing, what's for dinner, to somebody mm -hmm. else. <laughs> mm -hmm. So lots of good resources like that in just to make this easier for people. I think I think we make health hard sometimes. We, we make it way overcomplicated. So the more that we can understand like, okay, there's a way to learn about this in a time efficient way that's actionable and sustainable. And here's the resources I need from women who get it. So yeah. that was really the intention behind the community. Um, and I'm really excited to to just grow it this year. It just sounds incredible because one of the, the things that, um, I mean, I love how you outlined it, but I was thinking about like the dreaded Google search, right? <laughs> that if you are like feeling a certain way, I mean, this has been such a great conversation and I encourage everyone listening in. And there were like different bits and pieces along the way where Dr. Laura just shared such great insight. And it's like that curiosity, 
right? Which I think we all need to embrace more. But sometimes when that curiosity leads us to Google, and then we do like a health search in Google, it can get real scary real fast. And then we're like, we shut it down and we're like, nope, not doing it. Or we're dying, like one of the two, right? And so I, I love this wellness vault because it's like, credible information that if you have questions in a certain season in your life, you can go to it. And it's like trusted, you know, um, not that stuff on Google isn't trusted, but not all of it is. And it's not vetted. And, you know, it's, it's so many different theories, which isn't a bad thing, but it's also, how do we cut through? How do I compare this to what's going on? And when you have like a community of women that may be going through the same thing, like what a great, like just recipe for success on a like high achievers wellness journey. I think it's super cool. Yeah. And I, that, that was an important piece of it too. Like getting off the Dr. Google train and like, how do I get this information out to the right people that's super accessible, vetted by the people who it needs to be vetted by. So like, for example, we have sample meal plans created by like functional dietitians because that's their zone of genius. We have guest expert talks about certain you know, issues going on. Maybe that's an MD, maybe it's a naturopath, maybe it's a physical therapist. So it's, it also allowed me to get some cool collaborations with other women, which again, going back to this concept of how we build community and get off the comparisonitis train, like all of us can do that in our life in a way that really helps us serve other people better. So big collaborative, collaborative effort behind the creation of it too. It's just so cool. That's one of the, the things that I used to love to do when I was back working in the medical industry is I would actually pair together doctors um, in different specialties, but I could hear them talking about the way that they treated patients. And then I would bring them together for like a meal or a meeting and then hear them talk about patients. So then they were able to create kind of that working relationship to be able to serve their patients maybe in a greater sense than insurance would allow them. So it like, I hear you doing it. I'm like, this is so cool because I just think that that, that collaborative approach, and it's so funny, the the fact that I'm using this, Dr. Laura, the, the word collaboration, I used to hate. I used to hate it because I felt like it was like overused in corporate America. But when you really, like there is no better word to describe what you're doing but it's like from heart rather than from ivory towers in corporate America. So I'm reframing that right. As we speak right now. Um, no, I, I really think it's amazing what you've been doing and just, you can hear like your heart and passion behind it specifically tied to this high achiever. You know, I think that, and that's a tough, it's, this is the, the same group of women I used to work with is it's a tough group to to work with, to break into, let's say, because we are badasses, right? Like, and I don't need your help. And I got this on my own, but I think creating these environments where it's like, I can still be a badass, but like, I might need help right now. Yeah. And understanding that. Absolutely. And understanding that like, there's nothing wrong with that. And like, just need a little bit of fine tuning that like a lot of the general population doesn't necessarily understand. And like, that's okay. But yeah. like also understanding, okay, help, help get help from people that understand that level of desire for performance that understand how to help you fine tune those little things so that you can keep up that high achieving drive. And I, it is a funny conversation because sometimes all people be like, you know, we look at them and I'm like, wow, that woman is a badass. Look at all the stuff she's doing. And then she'll send me a message. Like, I don't know if I'm a high performer or a high achiever. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like anyone who is wanting to do beyond just coasting by in life, who wants to serve others in some way, who has a passion they're pursuing, mm-hmm. like you are a high achiever, you are a high performer by nature. Yeah. So this is for you. If that's the case, it was created with you in mind to help you operate at this level that you've chosen to operate at. And why wouldn't you, right? To, right. to be able to leverage your health to gain better wealth it makes total sense, you know? Oh yeah. (laughs) Total sense. All right. Well, Dr. Laura, I really just absolutely appreciated this conversation and I feel like we could go on for hours. Um, that being said, I would love for you to just share with our audience, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you, um, and follow along with what you're doing? 
Yeah. So I'm on all the social channels under my name, uh, dr.lauradecessoris. Instagram is probably best place to find me, but also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Or you can shoot me a note on the contact form on my website, which is www.drlauradecessoris.com. Awesome. And make sure we will absolutely put that in all the show notes. Um, that being said, you did have like a free gift for all of our listeners today. Can you tell us about that? I do. So I am sharing my top 10 secrets of high performing women guide. In this guide, it goes through 10 ways that I see high performers uh, dive into when it comes to really optimizing their health and striking this better balance between what they actually need to thrive versus kind of fighting their fighting their own biology, burning out at the expense of, of working. So lots of goodies in there and food for thought. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like a valuable tool. Don't worry, we will absolutely put a link to that in the notes as well. But uh, Dr. Laura, I just have to acknowledge you for what you're doing, um, because I think it is really special. And like I said, we need a team, right? We need a team. Not only do we need a community, but we need a team helping manage our health. Um, I'm not a doctor. I don't try to be one, right? I do try to be educated and stay curious and surround myself with those same, those people that can help me optimize myself better so that I can go be a better mom, be a better wife, be a better business leader. Um, and that's what I just absolutely want to acknowledge. I see you doing it. Um, you got to follow her on social media, but, um, in everything that you're doing and the way you do it, I just absolutely, uh, think it's amazing. Oh, thank you, friend. Right back at you. And yeah, can't wait to have you on my podcast to continue this conversation more. I know we're going to have some fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for tuning in today. And Laura, I'm sure we will see you soon. 